turn and greet somebody. Let them know you're glad to see them here this morning. Hallelujah. God is good. And greatly to be praised. Welcome to Arise Conference, our Arise Revival, which also serves as our Trained Ministers Network Conference as well, and that's what we're participating in this morning. We have ministers uh, all over the area that have joined together to uh, collectively to advance the kingdom of God and to aid and help one another uh, in their ministries, their prospective ministries. And we're grateful for those uh, wonderful connections. Amen. And uh, Trained Ministers Network is uh, something that uh, if you're not a part of and you're a minister and you want to be a part of, you can see me, you can see Pastor Bob, you can see Kevin, and we'll get you hooked up. Amen. And uh, just believe it's a good, it's a way of covering. It is our licensing and ordination um, umbrella. Uh, it is also a network of, of um churches that help and aid one another and uh, basically what happens is we all become each other's staff amen and that's 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 what's good because there's a lot of churches out there that at this time or at this particular juncture they may not have staff members they may not have people that can fill the pulpit when they go on vacation how many know that pastors need vacation they need vacation, they need breaks, they need, you know, to be able to go on trips and take care of their families, and sometimes, you know, you just can't put anybody up there. Hello? You just can't put just everybody up there, you know? And so this network provides that uh, also. We also have a camp that we, uh, you know, have out on uh, Keystone that... Uh, as Trained Ministers Network, we all use that camp for our various outreaches and various camps and things of that nature. And so we just look for that to expand more and more and more as we continue to grow. So if you're interested, we'd love to have you. Amen? Hallelujah. Lots of good people that are connected, a good family. So we're grateful for that. One of my family members is Pastor Ramon. He's one of my family. And... Uh, I love Pastor Ramon, and I met him when we first started the church in 2007. We were doing some outreaches for our youth. This uh, actually, where the coffee shop is, used to be our youth building. This building was not here. Um, it was a 4,000 square feet building that we did our youth ministry in. And uh, we had brought in, at that time, uh, they had what they what they called screamo Christian bands. How many know the, the term screamo? Okay, so they had screamo Christian bands, and it basically, if you couldn't understand the words, it was just like all the secular stuff. It it sounded exactly like that. But we were trying to reach young people, and uh, this promoter, he had uh, several bands, and we had taken the summer months and said we're going to you know do an outreach for the kids. And uh, so we're out here in back 40. We're, we're here in Manford, Oklahoma. You, you, you don't say it Manford, you say Manford, Oklahoma. All right, so uh, the promoter called and said one of the bands had broken up and we didn't have uh, a band for that week. And he says, but I've got this hip-hop group. Remember, we're in Manford, Oklahoma. 
So I didn't know that, you know, hip-hop was even on the radar of uh, the Travis Tritt County. And, uh, and so we, uh, we said, okay, uh, let's pray about that. And uh, it took us just about a couple of hours, and, and I told our youth pastor at the time, I said, go ahead, it's, it's worth a shot. Well, little did we know that a lifelong friend came with the package, and they just blew the roof off this place and were asked several times to come back, and they did, and always gracious and always wonderful. And then a few years back, uh, we had kind of, uh, they, the, his uh, group had broke up, and he was doing other things, and of course we were still doing uh, what we were doing and so he called me up and said I've got the opportunity to take this pastorate and I really would like uh, you to uh, kind of be an aid and a help and of course I was ready to do that and because you know every relationship in this room is reciprocal you know it, 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 it there's no one person getting all the credit for the relationship this is this is an organic thing, and I want to keep it organic, where it's friends coming together, and we just help one another, not out of obligation, but out of love. And uh, I love this man. I love his family. I love his church. And he's went through the mill. He's went through the mill. He took over a work and, uh, you know, went through that whole uh, transitional period and is still in some of that transition. But, uh, you know, he's a warrior, and his wife, they've stood, uh, they've went through um, defections and, and new people coming in and mutinies and all that stuff. You know, you can tell a pastor's worth their salt by the scars that they bear, but uh, not just scars, but scars that have been healed and restored by Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I want you to give a warm welcome to my friend, Pastor Ramon. Hallelujah. <laughs> Mic check. Can you guys hear me okay? Mic check, mic check. This has been an awesome conference. It's been so awesome. Again, my name is Roman Phillips. Some people call me Ro. When I do music, they call me Ro Tunes. So um, and with that in mind, before I go on, I just wanted to let you guys know, if you didn't buy a CD or a shirt or anything, I have this little QR code card that you can just scan it and it'll pull up if you want to listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever. But I just wanted to encourage you because I don't do everything I do for money. So if you just want to stream the project and if you yourself are not like, eh, I'm not into hip hop, but you know someone who is and it can bless their life, grab a few of these cards when you get an opportunity, all right? Uh, and uh, what uh, this conference has really just blessed my heart. You know, I called Pastor Greg uh, and asked him, I was like, hey, you know, I I, like a few weeks ago, I know you invited me to speak, but hey, is there a theme? Is there something I need to be speaking about specifically? And he was kind enough to say, whatever the Lord gives you is what you do. And I'm like, oh, thank God, because I do. The Lord gave me something. And, 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 but you know how the enemy plays tricks with your mind? I'm thinking, but what if it doesn't match up? What if it doesn't resonate? But he's proven to me every night that I've been here, every day that I've been here, you're right on track. He proved it with Chad. 
He proved it with Jason, Pastor Jason. He proved it. I, Brent, I didn't, sorry, I didn't get to see. I, I wasn't here Monday. It was the only day I missed. Uh, and Pastor Kenny, Pastor Greg, he just keeps telling me, see, 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 you're on track. This word is on time right now for this moment. Uh, so before I get into that, just real quick, you know, what Pastor Greg said, I don't want to reiterate what he said, but that blessed my life because I thought I left my corporate job so that I could do music ministry. That's all I ever wanted to do. And, but, but the funny thing is God's like, son, you're thinking too small. I got something way bigger for you. I never knew that my music was going to take me to Altus, Weatherford, Oilton, Manford. I'm like, God, what are you doing? We're doing hip hop. Why are you sending us to the country, the rule? I mean, they don't like hip hop. So I thought I was so wrong. I was so wrong. They're not going to want to hear this crap. I've actually pulled up, and there was a group of old people, and there was some few people in the wheelchair, and they were all looking at me like, what you going to do? <laughs> and I remember having this attitude. Is, if the Lord sent me here, that means he sent me here for a reason. I'm going to just do what I do. I don't have to change what I do. I'm just going to do what God has called me to do. And so I remember after doing one uh, concert, this guy rolled up to me in the wheelchair and he said, I'm going to tell you what, I don't like hip hop, but I like what you're doing. God bless you. And I said, well, thank you. Praise God. Keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, that is, that is anointing to know that uh, I, I was recently, a couple years ago, invited to a cowboy church in Colorado. Never been to Colorado before. And I'm like, you guys sure you want me? I'm the hip hop guy that wears the earrings. And some people think I wear no socks, but really I just have on ankle socks. Some of the older folks say, that's that boy that don't wear no socks. That's that <laughs> preacher that don't wear no socks. Like I do have on socks, man, but you know, it's ankle socks. But to send me to different places where I'm speaking to indigenous people, African-Americans, predominantly Caucasian, uh, Asian, I've just had the opportunity, I counted as a joy and a blessing that they would even hear me like you're going to listen to what I have to say but it's not what I have to say if I line my will up with God's will if I line my tongue up with God's tongue if I have my heart lined up with God's heart then I will be speaking for him and not myself a lot of the times we get in the way of what God wants to do and so uh, the message I want to share with you today I want to start off by sharing a story that a friend shared with me he told me uh, his son had came to him, and, and his son said, Dad, you know, he got accepted into a special school, and he said, Dad, I need a laptop, and I don't just need no trash laptop. I need an Apple laptop, and I need the top of the top, top notch, because I need mega storage. You know, it can't be the cheap stuff. I need a laptop, and my friend is like, man, uh, you know, dang, I, ain't got, I don't have the money like that, but I'll do anything for my son. Real quick background on this guy. He's kind of like one of those guys that's on the verge to being pulled into the kingdom, but he's still in the world. So he's got a kind of hustle and grind mentality. So how can I get whatever I'm going to get on the cheapest cheap end or without doing what I should do? So uh, I don't remember if this was, if Marketplace was around then or if it was Craigslist. But anyway, he found one on uh, the internet. And what he found out was that uh, it was a good deal. Uh, and it was an Apple Mac still in the box with the plastic still on it. And the story was there was a double gifting. 
you know, two people, one person, they got a gift and the other person got the same gift and they didn't want to go through the whole return thing. So they were just going to bless somebody with it with a real cheap deal. He was like, man, so it was only like a couple hundred bucks. So I was like, so, so they, they agreed to meet up. They met up in a public place uh, at a strip mall. The guy was late. And so he comes screaming in, gets there and like, hey, man, I'm so sorry I'm late, uh, but I'm in a hurry. Can we make it fast because I got somewhere else to be? I'm already late for that. And the guy's like, my friend's like, cool, let me see the laptop. He pulls it out. It's still in the box. He's like, cool. Test the weight. Yeah, cool, cool. And he changed the money. God, thank you. Thank you. Enjoy. And he says it gets in the car and he's like, he takes the plastic off the box. He opens up the box. There's the little pamphlets, the booklets. Opens up the next layer. There's the charger and the other little stuff. Opens up the next layer. And lo and behold, there is a book, but it's not a MacBook. It's a book. You know, the one with a front cover, back cover, and pages in between? It's a book. Just so happens that this dude has already got out of the parking lot. The strip mall is by the expressway. So he's already on the expressway and gone. He's like, I'm trying to get out of the, I can't get out of the parking lot fast enough. And I just realized I just got suckered. That's not what he said. I just got got. Anybody know what that means? Gotcha. I just got got. I got got. And the way he was telling it was so funny, but there's a lesson in this and what I want to share with you today. A lot of times the products that look really good and are packaged really nice, but we get in on the inside and the content is not there. The world is really good at packaging things up for us and selling it to us and making it say, this is the best thing. This is going to change your life. This is the best thing you will ever. And you open it up and you go, has everybody, anybody ever been disappointed when somebody said, man, this is the best restaurant in town. You go and you're like, I wasn't that impressed. In fact, I didn't like it at all. It, it wasn't all everybody talks it up to be. So we have to be careful with how we package things. But this is what the Lord wants you to get from this today. Unfortunately, we're at a, we're at a place right now in the world where the world, uh, uh, you've heard this from this conference that we're not having a, an effect on people. The church is not having a powerful effect on people when we should be. In fact, let me just give you a quick review because God, uh, he's really been speaking to me during this conference and lining my message up, up perfectly. Uh, but first, let me give you my first scripture, okay? Because this is important. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, I, you know, that's just where I'll be reading from, to, from today. And we're going to be in Matthew a lot, just, just to let you know. We'll flip over to Luke later, but we're going to be in Matthew. Matthew 28, 18, verses 20, through 20. I want to read this. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That means what Jesus is saying is effective in, in, in heaven and in earth, on the earth. Just like our scripture that says what we allow on earth will also affect the heavens. What we don't allow on earth will also not be allowed in heaven. You know, we have that authority. Jesus said, I have all this authority. 19, he says, therefore go. Somebody say go. go. Therefore go. Somebody say go. go. And make disciples of America and baptizing them in the name of, is that what your Bible says? What does your Bible say? I, I didn't hear you. All the nations. It said, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. Doing what? Baptizing them in the name of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 20 says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you 
And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, if you ever grew up around the adults that were smoking, and don't, baby, when y'all grow up, don't do what I do. Don't smoke no cigarettes and don't be drinking. And he's like, well, uh, you're doing it. Jesus is saying here when he says in 20, teach all the disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people that's, that don't believe they have to do what they're trying to tell you to do. Like, I, I, I know what my Bible says, but I don't have to do it, but you do. And if you don't, I'm going to criticize you. And in fact, don't you dare try to criticize me. Don't you know I'm a pastor? I don't have to do what this says. I'm telling you. This is going on right now. I know I'm seeing it with my own eyes. I'm seeing it in the spirit. I'm not just seeing it with my natural eyes. I'm seeing it in the spirit. So let me do a recap. Uh, Chad said that we have life in us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have life. We have life. That means we have the power to heal. And you remember he said not in three days or, or three months. It's a process. Immediately, God said, let there be light, and there was light right? That's what Chad said. So uh, we have the power. We have those of us who say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, uh, and we are truly seeking his will, seeking God's will daily. This means that we have life. This means I can speak life into my brother, my sister, and that you guys can speak life into me. And that when we leave this place where the true ministry uh, happens, like Pastor Kenny said, when we leave this place, we can speak life into others. Amen? Is, is, is that right or am I wrong? Okay, so, so, so that's, that's what Chad said. And then, then Pastor Greg lit me on fire because I never gave thought to this before when he talked about the Leviathan spirit. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I know about the Jezebel spirit because I had to deal with that in my church. This year I had to deal with a spirit, what I like to call the Jonah spirit, where it's that I know what God wants me to do, but I don't want to do it. Uh -oh. I don't care about what you don't want to do. If God tells you, I have such a reverence and respect for God. He has asked me to do many things that I'm like, God, I don't want to do that. Like when he said, I don't want you to just do uh, your Christian rap music around the country anymore. I want you to pastor a church. God, I don't want to do that. This church is dead, it's old, it's predominantly Caucasian, and the only reason I have a problem with that is will they receive what I have to say? It wasn't, I don't have a problem with any race. I don't have a problem with nobody. I don't care about the color of your skin. I don't care if you're fat, skinny, short, tall. I don't care. I love people. They get on my nerves, but I love people. I have a heart for people, okay? And then, then Pastor Jason talked about now, right now, no matter what has happened in the last year, 2020, I did get 2020 vision. I saw how wicked and corrupt the world could be. I also saw that it was ample time for God's children to grow closer to him. It was ample. All the excuses, well, I can't. I never have time to go to church. We got soccer games. We got this. We got that. I got to work. Now you don't have to work. You're at home. You're working from home. Your kids don't have any games. Y'all got plenty of time to have family time. You can work on your marriage, and you can work on your relationship with God. Did people do that? No. You know what they did? They complained and moaned and groaned. And, and, and what's really gotten on my nerves is when people get on Facebook and they want to get behind all these movements and they get on Instagram and they're telling you how wrong and stupid you are. And I'm like, that's not our job as Christians to tell people how wrong and stupid they are. We're supposed to be the light Amen. with life. So if I have the light and life in me, you, you can talk crazy all you want. But, but eventually, you know what happens? My wife works with a guy who says he's an atheist. 
You know what he does when things are happening, when his wife needs surgery? Hey, could, uh, can y'all pray for us? <laughs> I don't believe in all that stuff, but will you pray? Why would you want me to pray? If you don't believe in this, what makes you think this is going to work for you? And then they go, I don't believe in this stuff, but thank you for, for your prayers. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. Did y'all see, did you see Pastor Jason bring that baby here last night? Did y'all, did y'all see that baby, that blessing? Oh, the baby's here today? Blessing in the building. Come on, that's worthy of a praise. Come on. Oh, y'all, that was weak sauce. Come on, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Yes, come on. Come on. So, and then, then I get to thinking about what Pastor Kenny was talking about to last night when he said, it's time to level up. Guess what, y'all? It's time for the church to level up. Uh, in case y'all don't know what that means, that means go to the next level. That means it's time to step up our game. I use that loosely because I don't believe what we do is a game. This is not a game. This is real life. This is why I, I, I have the word that I have for you. And if you will hear the word that I have for you and receive it uh, tonight or today, you will have a new understanding of some things going on in the world. Because maybe you know this and maybe you don't, but the world shifted right before our very eyes. The world has changed. There is no more going back to normal. Now, a lot of people don't like this new normal thing, but things have changed. And what we do, we're going to have to do things a little differently. That includes the church. That includes, as Pastor Kenny said, ministers. That's not just the pastor, head of security, associate pastors, tech leader. That's, this, that's everybody that comes to church, okay? So, so the name of my little message today is called Label or Lifestyle. Because here's what I need you to understand. When I say I'm a Christian, that means I want to follow the blueprint of Jesus Christ. That means I want to talk like Jesus talk. I want to walk like Jesus talk. I want to heal like Jesus healed. I want to be the one that the religious people say, why is your pastor having dinner with sinners? That's what I call it because they wanted to criticize Jesus for having a dinner with the people who's... See, guys, as ministers, as the church, we are supposed to be reaching who? We're not supposed to be preaching to the choir. We're supposed to be reaching people that don't think like we think, that may not believe like we believe, may not have the lifestyles we agree with, but we, those are the very people we are supposed to be reaching. Okay? So are we going to be the labelers, those who just post the label? I'm a Christian. Here's what I've seen. I've seen people that say, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I go to church. I pay my tithe and offering. Every once in a while, I volunteer. When I see them outside the church, they as mean as can be. They on Facebook like, and you're going to hell, and you're stupid. I can't believe you. I'm like, what a witness. What a witness. These blankety blank blanks, such and such, beep. Praise Jesus. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we're perfect or supposed to be perfect. In fact, we're not perfect. The only way we're perfect is because he's in us. All right? That's the only thing that makes us perfect. We are worthy only because of Jesus. Outside of that, we're not worthy of nothing. Okay? But, but, but I'm asking you a question today because I need you to think about it. Are you a labeler? Do you just rock the label of Christianity or do you live the lifestyle? 
Are you living the lifestyle? I'm not asking anyone to be perfect, but are you making an effort to try to be like Jesus in any way that you can? Hello, somebody. Are you doing the best that you can, the best of your abilities to walk like Jesus? I don't know what that looks like. It's in the Bible. Your pastors have been telling you about it. In fact, don't just take your pastor's word for it. Read it yourself. I encourage my church all the time. I say, test me. If you don't like what I'm saying, if you don't believe what I'm saying, test me. Go read it for yourself. In fact, it'll change your life if you read it for yourself. So I want you to think about this. Are you good at rocking the Christian label? At my church, I call it Christian because I think it holds you more accountable because the word Christ really jumps out at you. Are you a Christian or you just, you just rock the label? Do you like, hey, on Sunday morning, I show my best face. Oh, and I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Hi, Pastor. Bless you, Pastor. Blessings and honor in the name of Jesus Christ, our mighty Lord and Savior. And then get in the parking lot. MFs, did you see such and such? I told that B, she getting on my dang nerves. And drive out of the parking lot. Get away, fool. You know, just as mean as they can be. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Let me read this scripture for you. Matthew 7. I'm going to read 15 and 16, again, from the New Living Translation. It may read just a little different from yours, but uh, Matthew 7, 15 and 16, it reads like this. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are already vicious wolves. Come on now. I see a lot. I've seen a lot of these over the years. I've, I've, by the way, guys, I've only been pastoring for six years. I'm still a baby in this. And I think about Pastor Kenny, uh, 30 years or something, and Pastor Greg and Woody and all of these ministers that have been in here pastoring. I'm just a baby in this. And when I first got in this, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. He says, you don't have to know. If you come when I call, I will equip you. You don't worry about these things. When, I, when, I, when they asked me to be pastor, I was even like, I'm not even ordained. I don't even want to be a pastor. I've been in under an, an associate pastor, and I've seen some wicked things. I've had a pastor tell me, I don't like people. And I was like, wait, wait, what? My wife and I was like, did he say what, what we think he just said? And so much so that I was so baffled by it that I had to go, me and him had a one-on-one, and I was like, did you say you don't like people? He said, yeah, I don't know why God put me in this position. I don't like people. That should have been my first red flag. But we didn't know any better. We were just eager to serve. I swept floors, cleaned toilets, played the drums, uh, did ch- child care, cleaned windows. I did that stuff. I just wanted to serve. I didn't care about no title. I just wanted to serve, and so did my wife. She started the children's ministry at this church. We grew that thing from like three children to like 80 children. I mean, we were just having the time of our life until we found out we were under corrupt leadership. And people were leaving the church, getting offended left and right. Now, sometimes y'all know people are just going to get offended because they got that spirit on them. They have that Leviathan spirit pastor talked about. Okay, so we, we, we understand that some people are going to be that way, but sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes we don't have to be, just because everybody else is doing it don't mean we have to. And my mama used to say, like probably your mom did, if everybody going to jump off a bridge, you're going to jump off a bridge too. And I wanted to be smart and say, yeah, but I didn't. I didn't want to disrespect my I said in my head. I always say that to me. <laughs> Let me continue. Matthew 7, verse 16 says, You can identify them by their what? Say it. Fruits. That is by the way they act. Can you pick a grape from a 
thorn bush or fig from thistle and it goes on and on. No, no. The reason I bring this up is because I want to talk to you guys about something that I call the conversation. And I need you guys to really listen to what I'm about to say to you. I've been blessed again with the ability to go speak to all kinds of people from all races, all communities. And I'm like, God, why me? And God says, why not? So I know that it's an honor and a privilege. And I feel like I know that God gave me this message because he's going to begin to put people in front of you that you never thought would come to your churches. And you're going to be going to places where you're going to get to minister to people that that you didn't think would ever listen to you. But I got to tell you about a conversation that's happening. And listen to this conversation. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it. But what God told me to do was make sure that you were informed. If you decide you want to do something about it, great. If you don't, that's between you and God. But this is the information I need to share with you. There's a conversation happening in the African-American community, in the Native American or indigenous people community, in the Mexican-American community, in the Asian-American community. How do I know? Because I've walked around and done a survey? No. I just happen to be involved with some activities, and this conversation seems to keep coming up. I'll give you one before I get to the conversation. People ask, hey, what's that church that you've been doing a lot of stuff at lately? Like you've been doing some men's conference and stuff like that. What's that church? Oh, Lake Church? Like, yeah, yeah. That looks like a really cool place. Where's that at? Manford, Oklahoma? Manford, Oklahoma. You know what the next question is going to be? Are there any black people there? You know, I say, you know, I don't know. I haven't thought about it and don't care. Because that's not how I see things anymore. Key word is anymore. I don't see things like that anymore. That's why I'm able to go to a cowboy church in Colorado where there's one, only, only one other black cowboy I saw, and there's 300, 400 people there. One black cowboy. And I was like, this is cool, you know. But, but the people were loving. They received me. They loved on me. I loved on them. And, and, and a lot of them still reach out to me today, and I reach out to them. They, Pastor, happy birthday. When are you going to come back and see us? I made an impression. Not because I'm so good because of the God in me, and I do have a love for people. I don't care. All kinds of people. The conversation is this. Uh, One guy used to tell me, and I used to have this conversation back in the day. Uh, Why you serve that white God? Listen, because y'all know this is a lie, but I need you to listen. You know that's the white man's God. First of all, I'm kind of offended and taken aback, but then my heart is like, I want, well, why are you thinking like that? And what would make that come out of your mouth besides the demons that may be possessing you? What, what, what's, what's, what's come? Why, I, I want to understand behind it. See, I just, I just don't want to be offended by someone. I want to know why they think the way they do. <clears throat> and they say, well, uh, you, know, uh, you know, in the Bible it says slaves. You know, I used to be offended by that until I actually re- read and studied the word, what it means in Greek. And what, it's a servant. And sometimes slave had nothing to do with, like the American slavery. It was all about, hey, you owe me a debt, and so until the debt is paid off, you're my slave. Paul says, I am a slave to Jesus Christ, a slave of Jesus Christ when he opens up his letters. It means I'm com- completely submitting. So you, it depends on your perspective. And, and so I asked them why they say that. And they said, well, you know, most people that I know when it comes to American Christianity, they're either rural and white or rich and white, but they don't want black folks, Indians, Mexicans. How many of y'all know that's a lie? No, no, for real. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Am I right? <clears throat> but you got people talking. Uh, the Leviathan uh, spirit is all up in their ear. 
You know what? He used to be in my ear because when I was 18, 19, I seen some things in church and I'm like, I'm, I'm not serving. I even, I even, listen, y'all, I even decided I was going to become Muslim. I started studying. I'm going to follow Farrakhan. I, I had this season in my life. To see where I was and where I am is truly an act of God. There's no other way to tell you why I'm standing here today and why I'm so blessed, why I follow Jesus Christ with everything within me. And I'm not here to be anybody's judge or jury or, again, tell you what to do or what you should do. I'm sharing information. And so when they say that, <clears throat> you know, uh, the white people that I meet that go to church, they're usually mean. They don't like me. They kind of have racist tendencies. They have this and that. And I'm like, that's a lie from the pit of hell because I, I, I know this is, can be true. I've experienced it myself. But for the most part, 90% of the churches that I have been to that are predominantly Caucasian, I have not experienced that at all. When I first came to Lake Church, I was like, oh, yeah, we're probably going to have some problems here. <laughs> not a one. The love was so huge, and it was reciprocal. We loved them, and they loved us. And as Pastor Greg said, we were invited back several times. Like, we, love, we, have, some, we have traveled around the country, and we have some churches that treated us really good and some not so good. But this became our favorite church to come to. This became our favorite church. So when someone would ask me with that little attitude, like, is there any black people? I was like, you know, it don't even matter. If there's black people, Mexican, it doesn't matter. The people there have the heart of God, the heart of Christ. Color is not an issue. If it is, y'all haven't shown me. I haven't seen it. I feel at home when I'm here. I feel at home in my cowboy church in Colorado. I feel at home, my church, when I took over, there were no other races there. It was predominantly elderly and old. And I was like, are y'all sure y'all want me to be your pastor? Or have you thought this thing through? Did y'all pray about it? I even tried ways to get out of it, and God's like, no, I placed you there for a reason. I'm glad to say that that has shifted, and my church has a multiracial, multicultural environment, and it ain't nothing but love. We call ourselves Restoration Church Tulsa, a community of love, and I did that on purpose because I wanted them to experience the love of Christ. My love maybe is not always sufficient, but the love of Christ is always sufficient. Are you guys hearing me this morning? I needed to tell you about the conversation because it doesn't matter if you're in Kansas. It doesn't matter if you're in Oklahoma, Texas, New York, California, Ohio, Colorado. The church needs to level up. We need to show the world that we're not just a label, that we actually live what we say we believe in. In other words, we're not saying, hey, this is what our word says. This is what the Bible says, and, and, but we don't have to do it. I know our Bible says to love God with all of our hearts and everything we are and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. But I don't have to love my neighbor if they're gay. I don't have to love my neighbor if they're Muslim. I don't have to love my neighbor if they voted for Trump or if they voted for Biden or for Hillary. I don't have to love them. No, that is not what your Bible says. If I'm wrong, somebody please correct me right now. Speak to me. That means we are supposed to love our neighbors no matter if we agree with them or not. The church has not learned how to agree to disagree. See, if we really believed in what we say we believe in, we don't have to argue with people. Because as Chad said, the life is in us, the light is in us. We shine wherever we go. Where that, that person who claims to be atheist says, will you pray for me? I have a cousin, 
I do have, most of my family have come from Baptist, Seventh-day Adventist, and Pentecostal, okay? Predominantly of my, most of my family is saved, okay? And that's how I grew up, but as soon as I could get away from church, I got away. <clears throat> my point is this. There's one, like a little segment of it that became Muslim. I'm saying this because I'm making a point. One of my Muslim cousins, cousins called me the other day. He needed some help, some counseling. Why did he call me? Uh, and listen, I, I'm not, this, this, it's really not me, the God in me. He called me and asked me for advice. I have another cousin who claims he's an atheist. He calls me and asks me for advice. I have another friend that was a Muslim when I was growing up in high school. I didn't really pay attention. I was a little naive. They wore, the whole family wore the turban, uh, turbans. They lived down the street from us. He invited me over for dinner one time. They had this big old feast. We sat on the ground, and I was like, this is different. Washing your hands and eating with your hands. Like, y'all don't have no utensils? Well, you know, you know. But this kid and I, I loved him and he loved me. We got to high school. He come pick me up and drive to school. We, I didn't try to force my religion on him and he didn't try to force his religion on me. He, he said to me recently, like, brother, I'm really proud of you. I see what you're doing with your church and ministry and everything. Man, I'm proud of you. Why would a Muslim tell me? Hopefully that's the God in me, the Christ in me that's shining so bright that it, it doesn't matter if you believe like I believe or not. Our God that we serve is not a one-color God. It's not a one-nation God. It's a, Jesus said, therefore, go into. If I can encourage anybody, if you ever get a chance to leave the country and go to another country, it will change your perspective. You will see the world in a different way. You will find out that people are people wherever you go. There's good and bad people anywhere you go. There's liars, there's cheaters, there's fakers, all everywhere you go. And I've had the honor to go to the Dominican Republic, to the Philippines. I, my church, we actually have 13 churches in the Philippines that we support that are under our name, Restoration. Okay? In the Philippines, we support them on a monthly basis. Okay? And I've been over there a couple times to visit two different islands where we have churches. And people are people. I gave this example because where I'm going today, I gave this example to my church and I want to give it to you. And, 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 and I need you guys because this is about perspective. It's about even if you don't see it that way to at least take the time to be like Jesus and try to see it from their perspective. You don't have to agree. But, but, but this is what I showed my church. That if I laid a big old fat nine right here on the stage and from this angle I see a nine. It's a nine to me. No argument about it. It's, it's, a, it's a nine. But if the other person over here said, no, that's not a nine, you fool, that's a six. And then this person was like, you know what? You're an idiot. Don't you know this is a freaking nine? How stupid can you be? And the person over here is like saying, dude, I could slap you right now because that is straight up, from my perspective, a six. And these both are, these are church people I'm talking about. Christians. Okay, but, 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 but the true Christians that have the heart of Christ say, dude, I'm telling you, I see a nine. This is how I was brought up. This is how I was raised. This is, if, if, hey, what do y'all see? We see a nine. Okay, but, but, but the real Christian says, well, let me see, though, what, what they're seeing, because they're talking, uh, you know what? 
okay, I can see how you can see it that way. And I can see that maybe both of us need to come in the middle, find some middle ground. And really, it shouldn't be about if that's a nine or six. What is Jesus? How does Jesus want us to work on whatever it is we're supposed to be working on, but we're sitting here busy worrying about if it's a six or a nine? The labelers are going to spend all day worried about those. Those who in the lifestyle are going to come around to the middle and say, you know what? It could be either or. But this is what God wants us to do. This is what my word says. I'm going to stand on my word. I'm going to walk out my word. I'm going to do whatever it says. I'm going to try in every way I can to be like Jesus. Sure, God gave me my own specific, my own specific personality. I have a fingerprint that no one else on the planet has probably ever will so do you you're unique but yet you can be uniquely like Christ hello so are you a labeler or are you one who does the lifestyle let me give you two stories in the bible real quick to 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 put everything together think about when Jesus fed the 5,000 do you guys to keep the story in context do you know what happened what Jesus was experiencing before this incident with the feeding 5,000 plus actually you know what was going on his cousin John the Baptist had just been killed Jesus is taking a moment what my wife likes to call a mental health moment or a mental health day Jesus has decided to go somewhere to be alone y'all know this right deservingly so we all need a minute to grieve and work out whatever we're going through. This is his cousin. This is the, 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 the guy that the prophet Isaiah, uh, Isaiah talked about in laying the pathway for the Messiah. This is his cousin, a man of God. So he's going to grieve. But what happens when he gets off the boat? All these people start showing up. All these people start showing up. And here's what I think is funny. Uh, in 13, it says, I'm reading from Matthew 14, 13, it says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. I'm gonna stop right there for a minute because I, I, I need you to keep this in context. When people start showing up, why didn't Jesus say, hey, y'all, can y'all give a brother some space? Can you give me some breathing room? I, I, can you, can't you see a brother is breathing here or grieving? Can't you see I'm grieving? I just lost my cousin. How about this, guys? Let me get a little rest. Let me get my thoughts together, and I'll see y'all tomorrow. Why didn't Jesus do that? Why didn't, and in fact, his disciples tried to help him do that. They tried to say, Jesus, what are you doing? Just tell these people to go home. 14 says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. So listen, y'all, before Jesus even gets to his private spot, his moment alone, people are already there. Jesus. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 15 says, that, that evening, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, this is a remote place, and, and, and it's already getting late. Send these people away so they can go to their villages and buy food from themselves. In other words, the disciples said, tell these people to go home and go mind their business. I'm sure it's getting late. They need to eat. I'm sure they got to feed their kids and get ready for work tomorrow and stuff. Tell these people to go. What did Jesus do? No. I have compassion for these people. In other words, 
It doesn't matter what I'm going through right now. Doesn't matter what it looks like to me right now. I am going to help the people because that's what I came to do. Okay, so then, then in 16, it says, but Jesus said, that isn't necessary. We don't need to send the people home. And then he says, I love this part, you feed them. I won't get into that right now. That's for another message. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Thank you, sir. So, so this is also what happens. We can also make excuses for why, why we don't need to do what, what, what maybe needs to be done. Jesus said, no, y'all know what happens. He ends up feeding, he multiplies, he prays over it, holds it to the sky, prays over it, blesses it, and the bread and the fish begin to multiply. He feeds 5,000 plus, and then they had leftovers, okay? I'm making a point here, all right? I want you to keep that in mind that Jesus took time out of his time when he could have been grieving, and I don't really think anybody would have got upset if he would have said, guys, I need a moment. I just had a death in the family, and I need a moment. Come back tomorrow. I'll give you everything you need. I'm worn down. I, I, I don't think I can give you the best that I got. But he did. Okay, keep that in mind. And then I want to flip you to another story. I want to talk about this story in Luke 8, chapter 8. And I'm just going to read 41 through 45 because this is another instance where Jesus wasn't just thinking about himself or thinking about his mission Oh, 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 Pastor Jason and I had this conversation about how, you know, goal-oriented uh, we can be as pastors. And, you know, we're always thinking about the next, but I love it that he brought it in focus. Like, we need to be focused on the now. Okay? Keep that in mind. Because Jesus is on his way to do something, and in the middle of it, he does something else on his way to do something. It says, then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. A man here is pleading with Jesus, can you come, my daughter, 12 years old, is about to pass, and I need you. All right? As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by a crowd. Here we go again with these people. Can you give a brother some space? Can I get some room? Can I, can I breathe? 43, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And she could, she could find no cure. 20, uh, 44 says, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Oh, what happens next? Who touched me? Jesus asked, who touched me? Most people think Jesus was freaking out. He wasn't freaking out. In fact, he was blessed. He was like, whoa, something, somebody's face just, just shifted and changed their situation and circumstances. And I'm just walking through the crowd. 44 uh, says, come, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe and immediately the, the bleeding stopped. 45, he says, who touched me? Uh, everyone denied it. And Peter said, master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. In other words, he's like, you know, you, it's impossible to know who touched you. Come on, Jesus. Let's focus here. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. It could have been anybody. Jesus said, no, who touched me? The lady finally 
scared, says I did. And he says, because of your faith, you're healed. He sent her on her way. No doctor, no specialist, nothing could help her. But her faith in Jesus and then her audacity to seek after her healing through Jesus to stop the bleeding. I bring you that story because there are people bleeding. Souls are bleeding. They need Jesus now more than ever. And the church is needed now more than ever to be the Jesus they need so that they can get their complete healing. If Chad said, we have life, where do they need to come to get their healing? Or where do we need to go? Who is it that needs to be in front of them when it's time for them? There are bleeding hearts and bleeding souls all over this country, all over this state, all over the world right now looking for Jesus. But then I go back to that conversation. They're like, they don't want to come to Jesus because they don't believe Jesus is for them because they've been lied to by certain people and they've been lied to by the media and they've been lied to by other people around. They've been lied to to believe that Jesus don't love them because of the color of their skin or don't love them because they may have voted this way or that way. You know who I want to attract to my church? I don't care if people come in high. Guess what? High people need the word too. I may not agree with their lifestyle, but I know my job is not to condemn them. I am to correct them the best way I can, but I need to be doing that in love. I have had lesbian and gay people in my church. I don't have to agree with their lifestyle, but my job is not to disagree so much with their lifestyle. I can disagree with it all day long, but am I loving them? Am I giving them the word? I don't care. I've had Native American, and he said, don't call me Native American. I'm indigenous. I said, I feel you. Whatever you want to be called, that's what I'm going to call you because I don't want nobody calling me a N-I-G-G-A or N-I-G-G-E-R or, or, or colored man. I want them to call me Roman or Rotunes or Pastor Ro or whatever you want to call me. Just don't call me any of those names that have demonic spirits attached to them because that's not me, and I'm not going to have it. Pastor said last night, there's no witchcraft allowed in here. No wicked spirits allowed in here. I say the same thing at my church, not having it. If that's you, kick rocks. There's the door. I don't want you to leave if you've come here to receive what Jesus has for you. Yes, but if you're here to stir up any problems and tell me how wrong I am and that's the white man's God and this, that, and the other, kick rocks. But I know the feeling because I used to say that too. I ain't going to that old white church. No white people, they don't love me. I don't love them. What's your fool would call me an N-word? You know, I had a chip on my shoulder. Jesus said, no more, son. Because you're going to be going to speak into all these places, all these communities. You're going to go travel the world, and I need you not to have that chip on your shoulder. I need you to be free. And he told me one day, no man, no money, no politics, no nothing, nothing, no country is going to hold you back from doing what I have called you to do. If they do, that's their problem, not yours. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, you got a problem? I don't care. No, you, you got a problem? Cool. That's cool. That's, that's between you and God. But as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. Why am I sharing this with you today? Because Pastor Kenny set me up perfect last night. It is time to go to the next level. And we need to kick those demons out of our church that are the ones who like to rock the label but don't want to live the lifestyle. They got to go. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about spirits. Hello, somebody. Come on, somebody. Work with me. Are you a labeler? Are you, 
a lifer? Are you rocking the lifestyle? And I shared those two stories with you, the feeding, because we need to sometimes take our opinions and our, our, our what we think out of the way and just let God use us to love on people and to speak life to people. I'll share one more story before I end with the scripture. Uh, I have a lady, a couple ladies actually, in my church who have had abortions. I'm not going to go there. Don't worry. I'm not going to get everybody in frenzy. Calm down. I just want to tell you something. I want to share something with you. One of the ladies told me, I never shared that with anybody because I always thought, uh, and I stayed away from church for a long time because I always thought that the people would put me on a stake and burn me. Everybody in my church, anybody, the couple that, that has done that, and anybody outside of the church that I've talked about who has had it said they regret it. Some of them, it still tortures them to this day. Although it was 40 years ago or 20 years ago, it tortures them. And they say things like, if I could have a do-over, I'd do it over. I never would have did that. It's the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. But, but, but I don't think that way anymore, and I regret it. I've repented. You guys know what repent means? Amen. They turned away from and rethought that. Okay? Oh, okay, or, or, or do we say, so, so my question is, do we allow that woman and those women to come into our church, and do we love on them, or do we say, you murderer! You baby killer! You're going to burn in hell! And then I say, well, God can't use you! And then I get to thinking, I was like, Didn't, wasn't Moses a, a murderer? But God forgave him and used Moses to bring his people out of slavery into the promised land. I can get specific and say it wasn't Moses that took them to the promised land, but he got them out of slavery because Joshua actually took them into the promised land. You know, we can go through all of those, but my point here is that our job is to love on them. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that decision, but am I going to hold that against her if she's repented? and is now thinking differently and wants Jesus and wants healing from, from what she's done in her life? Amen. What if Jesus still held or God still held our past against us? I'm not asking anybody in here to agree with abortion. That's not, that's not my stance at all. What I'm saying is that we need to love on these people. Amen. Don't be the Christian standing out there, you're murderer! You're God, you're murderer! You're gonna hell! How about, yes, that was a mistake. That, that was, but let me, can I tell you a story about a man named Moses? God can still use you if you repent, if you turn from your ways, if you seek him, if you, my scripture, my, my life, the, the scripture that changed my life, Matthew 6, seek God and all live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That includes healing. That, that includes a renewed mind, a renewed mental health, renewed strength. Hey, we're either going to do what Jesus did or we're not. We're either going to be a true representation of Jesus or not. We're either going to be the ones sitting at the table having dinner with sinners or we're not. We're going to be where we're supposed to be because I love what Jesus' response was to those religious people. Like, why is he eating with them? And he said, does the hospital need sick people or well people? We're here, guys, all of us. The church is here to help the sick. Many of us in the church are sick and need some help, need some healing, need some restoration. We need some renewing of the mind daily. So, so, so let me share my last scripture with you. My last scripture is this. It's Matthew uh, 
7, 21, and 23. It says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. 22 says, on judgment day, which there will be a judgment day, ladies and gentlemen, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. It's me, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, it's me. Hey, remember me? What does 23 say? But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who broke or break God's law. I don't know you. In other words, Jesus on judgment day is going to reject those who just rock the label and welcome in those who actually lived the lifestyle. I would hate to be doing all the work that I'm doing, pastoring a church, dealing with some most ratchet folks, been through the, I've been through the stuff. I've been through this stuff enough that like my second year or actually like a year and a half in, I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this. These people are, I don't, God, I don't think I can do this. And I actually just spoke with someone yesterday that's trying to connect me with a pastor who quit after two years. He just quit because he went through the same thing I went through. He went through a takeover. And then when he began to make the changes, uh, the old regime reared its ugly head. Oh, we're not, we're not going to make that change. We're not doing that. We're not trying to reach those people. We don't want those kind of people in our church. Like, what? We like the club we got here, the country club. That's, how we, that's what we want. We don't want no, we're not trying to do no outreach and bring, you know. And he, forget it then. Count me out. I said that to my staff. Like, if y'all don't want to change people's lives, y'all can count me out. I'll go start my own ministry somewhere else. That's what I was doing before y'all asked me to be pastor here. But I love the fact that my church is changing. Your church is changing. Will you make the adjustments needed? And I'm not just talking to pastors. I'm talking to, Pastor Kenny said, the ministers. That's all of us. That's all of us. I just need you again. I'm not telling you what to do or what you should do. I am merely sharing information that the Lord told me to share with you today so that you can have an impact, not just on your church, but communities outside of your church and around your church, no matter the race, the creed, the color, if they believe like you believe, if it's Catholic or if it's, if it's charismatic, if it's seven, doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is Lord. And we should be walking in the footsteps of Jesus, being the example. We, in, in a lot of cases, people won't come to church. The only Jesus they will ever see is you. Now, what does that look like? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Can you help me out? No, I can't help you out. Will you pray for me? No, I ain't got time to pray for you because I don't agree with your lifestyle. I don't think I, 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 you, You're an atheist. You don't believe in God. I can't pray for you. You won't be able to receive. What I, if they're asking you, there's a level of the, uh, the, that they can receive. If they can come back to you and say, I don't know what you did. If the doctors can say, I, I, I don't know what's going on here. This is an anomaly. I don't, we, we don't know what's going on here. You know why? Because my God's that great. You know what that does? It, then it opens up another door. So this stuff really works? Yeah. You want to know more? Come over for dinner, you sinner. 
Let me tell you about my God and my Jesus. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us up, what we can do, we have the light in us. I can heal myself. I can heal you. I can give you so much healing that you go over and heal her and she can heal him and he can heal her. And the healing just runs rampant because that's the God we serve. I'm simply imploring you or are simply asking you a question if you're going to, from this day on, just be a label or you're going to live the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. That's my word for today. And what I'd like to do in closing is if this word has resonated with you in any way and you're a pastor, I want you to come up here because I'm about to do something. You don't have to agree with everything I said. But our word calls for us. Will you guys turn, turn toward this way? Our word calls for us to have unity in the body. Come over here, fellas. In fact, let's get right here. We'll stand in front of this moon. Come on. We're going to band together as brothers and sisters. Any sisters up here? Well, y'all are out there. <laughs> we're going to band together in unity. And we're going to decide that we're not going to let any demonic spirits of any kind keep us from reaching the people we need to reach. If we can't reach them, it's because they don't want to be reached. But there are so many people who want to be reached. They want to hear from you. You guys, this, this collection of guys, you guys don't know the anointing you have on you. I haven't got a chance to tell you guys. I have never been to your church, but I've seen the anointing on your church. I have never been to your church, but I see the anointing on your church. I just met you, and I see the anointing all over you and your wife, which tells me, and Woody, which tells me, and Pastor Bob, which tells me that people need us, but they need you too. But it has to be a trickle-down effect. If we don't agree, how do we expect our people to agree? So I just want you brothers to agree with me that we're not going to let racism, sexism, classism, or any kind of ism, Buddhism, any other ism come between us and our gospel and our Savior. And we're going to stand firmly on that, and we're going to share it with the world. And whoever wants to hear, we're going to reach not just our churches, but people outside of these walls. It doesn't matter if we're in another state, another city, another country. People will feel the love of Jesus Christ on us. They will see a light so bright that we don't have to say nothing. We just walk in the room and they say, he got to be a man or woman or that got to be a woman of God. You see that light all over them? And then they'll hear something come out your mouth and say, yep, yep, they're a Christian. For, for real, for real, because I can see it on them. I don't, it's not suspect. You ever seen a minister and they're suspect? I have, but not up here. So I just pray. Actually, would I get my worshipers to come up here? Come on, Pastor T. Come on, come on. Stand on the side of these. You guys are in ministry too. Everybody in this room is in ministry, but there's a special anointing when Pastor T gets up there or when, where's Candace? Where's she at? Get up here, Candace. Stand by your lovely husband. Hold his hand. Woo! Feel God moving in this place. There are new realms opening up. <laughs> Listen, uh, the devil is opening up some new realms. New levels, they say, new devils. And so in order, if, if we're going to deal with these new devils, we got to go to new levels. Pastor Kenny said level up. It's time to level up. Pastor Jason said now. We need to do it right now. Pastor Greg said there's a Leviathan. I'm sorry. Say it for me. Leviathan. I said it right all day and can't say it right now. 
I've been the Leviathan spirit. I've been tackled by the Leviathan spirit. I've had to kick him out of my church. But no more. New levels, new devils, but we're going to level up and stomp down on them. So right now, what I'm going to do is pray. Right now, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this men and women up here on this front line. We thank you, Father, that we are the men and women who are willing to do the work. We are willing to do whatever you want us to do to go wherever you want us to go, even if it's uncomfortable. We will do your will and not ours. Let your will be done and not ours. Right now, these men and women who are standing up here, this powerful group, we are set to go into various places in the world not just our cities and our state, but through this country, but around the world. The message coming from these men and women are going to travel around the world, and it's going to be the true gospel, not the fake stuff, not the stuff that, that's wrapped up and packaged real good, but has no content and has no power and have no effect. Right now, these people are going to have an effect wherever we go. We are going to have an effect, no matter if people are watching us online or coming into our buildings or we're traveling to where they are. Dear Heavenly Father, the power of your Son, Jesus Christ is going to be so powerful in us, we're not going to be able to stop whatever he wants to do through us. Even again, when it's uncomfortable and we don't want to do it like that, it's just going to go because Jesus said, therefore go because he had all the power and the authority on heaven and earth to send us out. And so we answer that call right now, dear Heavenly Father. We are going to do your will. We are going to, when, when it's uncomfortable and not the time, if, if we want to have a mental day or whatever, but you call us to minister we will minister. We will do whatever it is. If we're on our way to meet one of our goals, but you need us to stop and take care of something else, we will do it, Lord. We are answering your call right now. And for those who are not just pastors or have a title, those who are ministers, they are going to go into the world making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are going to do this because they love you, Lord, and they agree with your word, and they agree with their, 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 their mission. And that is the great commission. And we thank you, Father, that we submit under this and that you have prepared a way for us that in, even in this day, in our most wickedest of times, we will prevail because you have already won, Lord. And because you have already won, so have we. We have already won. We are winners already. No matter what it looks like, no matter the bumps and rocks and, 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 and blockage in the road, we are going to make it to the other side where we have blessings on top of blessings on top of blessings, so many blessings. We have to bless other people. We have no choice. And I thank you right now, Father. I thank you right now for these men. I thank you for this conference because we are going to arise. We are going to arise. We're going to arise and shine with the light of Jesus Christ around the world. And the world will see it. The world is going to see it. Not because we're so good, but because you are so good. And you are good in us, Lord. Right now, a special anointing on each person standing up here right now and each person in this room that as they make the decision to level up, you will equip them with tools they never thought they had. You will equip them with gifts. They, I didn't know I had that gift. You will have them healing. But I didn't know I could heal people. You will have them. I didn't know I could speak to this community. You will have them doing works that they never thought they could do because they made the choice to level up. And so right now I ignite. I send a, a, a wave, your Holy Spirit, through this building right now that your will is going to be done. Hallelujah. 
In Jesus' mighty, precious name, we pray. And all that agree said, amen. amen. Thank you, my brothers. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Strong words to us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we want to remind you that 7 o'clock we'll be ending this thing off. And praise God, it's going to be a powerful time. And uh, we're going to have, you always know that God is going to show up when cheeseburgers are on the menu at 6 o'clock, cheeseburger night. Burgers to go. So we're very, very happy to have hamburgers, but then the spiritual meat of the Word of God and the move of the Spirit. And so we're looking for a powerful time tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we're glad that you're here, and we look forward to fin well, let's finish strong in Jesus' name. It's always good. The start is always, you know, fun. All the anticipation, all the effort, all the excitement, but when you need to learn to finish strong. Amen. And praise God, stay engaged, stay um, connected, and praise God, you'll finish strong. Because there's some things that come at the end that you can't get nowhere else in the timeline. Amen. And so I'm looking forward to that. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. We'll see you tonight.